Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com, part of Edge Sports. Today we have Liz Loza of Yahoo Sports on to discuss the Week 9 waiver wire options, but before we get to that interview with Liz, I want to share with you an exclusive offer from Football Outsiders. We're the innovators of modern football analytics with proprietary metrics you know and love like DVOA and DYAR. Those stats are used by teams, and they're also great tools for fantasy players. So get the most out of your fantasy teams and DFS lineups today with an FO Plus package. You can become an outsider today with promo code FANTASY25, which will save you 25% off site-wide. That's code FANTASY25 in all caps, and that'll save you 25% off site-wide on all Football Outsiders tools and statistics. Okay, let's get to that interview with Liz. Okay, joining me on the line today is Liz Loza of Yahoo Sports, an NFL and fantasy analyst. Liz, how are you? Thanks so much for joining the show today. I am great, Scott. I'm happy to be here. I can't believe we're at the midway point of the fantasy season. It is really shocking. And from a fantasy perspective, that has led to a lot of injuries and other turnover and such. So we have quite a few players to discuss on today's show. Uh, This is the week nine waiver wire episode and following our typical format, we're going to go back and forth. Liz will give three potential names as waiver wire pickups for week nine and I'll give three. They aren't necessarily the best pickups for the week, but they're some of the most interesting and we have some good things to discuss. And as the guest today, Liz, why don't you go first and hit us with a waiver wire potential ad for week nine? Absolutely. Well, actually this player was on my waiver wire pickups for Last week, heading mm-hmm. into week eight, I do on Monday on my Instagram handle at Liz Loza underscore FF a pickups for each week. And it was Jamichael Hasty because I had a feeling with uh, Jarek McKinnon being rested and Jeff Wilson mm-hmm. sadly being carted off unexpectedly that Hasty, after being um, activated from the practice squad and called up, would see some real action. And in fact, he did. In week eight, he managed 41% of the backfield snaps with McKinnon at 50 and Coleman at nine. Now, obviously, Mm -hmm. Coleman suffered a setback, so he won't be in the mix heading into week nine, which is also a little bit interesting because there's a short turnaround for the 49ers. They draw the Packers. Yeah. You got to love that matchup, right? On a short, I mean, the Packers just got eviscerated by De- <laughs> by by Dalvin Cook. Four touchdowns, three on the ground, one in the air. But you already knew that that was a likelihood, right? Everyone who started Cook in DFS has seen plenty from Mike Pettin's defense to know that what you can do against Mike Pettin and now the Packers is run against them. And that is what, especially if you're, work, if you're, if you're Kyle Shanahan, that's what you do. That is what mm-hmm. you do best, right? <laughs> So this sets up very nicely for Hasty. I also think it's interesting. I mean, one of my favorite parts of fantasy, I know that obviously Football Outsiders is great at grinding numbers and and putting together statistical information to back what we're seeing with our eyes. But one of my favorite things to do is to look at the players. And when you're looking at a rookie, especially an undrafted free agent out of Baylor, Not a whole lot of hype around him. I went back last week and watched a little bit of his tape, and I just like to give an idea of what we're working with here, like what kind of player this guy is. So for those of you who don't know and who do prefer to know a little bit about the playing style of the athletes that you are starting, great receiver. We know that. He has excellent hands, good route runner. That's something that Kyle Shanahan likes. I'm going to talk about that a little bit 
um, in a bit because Kyle Shanahan very much has a type and Hasty fits it very closely. He's a very slippery player, elusive, runs low, lots of effort, lots of effort. He's got a dense build, but here's some of the negatives, not particularly powerful. You don't really like him in short yardage or goal line situations. More of, and again, this is a Kyle Shanahan preference, more of an elusive space, great for, you know, zone kind of schemed um, running backs. And also when you looked at what Hasty did in week eight, that makes more sense, right? He only averaged 2.4 yards per carry. The longest run was just five yards. He did manage a touchdown, but it was in very close range. And he saw one target for two yards. I expect with George Kittle, um, who again, we'll talk about a little bit later, missing time this week, again, on that short turnaround, we're going to see more out of Hasty from um, a receiving point of view, especially because he does have that skill set. So I think that this is a really great situation. He is only rostered in 42% of Yahoo leagues right now. So fairly available and in a smash spot, particularly given, um, you know, the lack of availability in this backfield of healthy players. Yeah, I mean, Liz, it seems a little bit like juvenile to be like, oh, next man up for the 49ers, just put him in your fantasy lineups. But it, it kind of feels that way to me. It's just what everything you said about Kyle Shanahan having sort of a type of player that fits his offense. I totally agree with it. And it kind of just makes me think that Hasty is really a plug and play fantasy option. He may not be like a big, powerful back the way that you would expect to score touchdowns, but a lot of the 49ers you know, faster, more elusive backs have overachieved on their opportunity adjusted rushing touchdowns by, you know, running in touchdowns from 10 or more yards away from the end zone. I think they did it like 13 or so times last season, which easily led the league. And Hasty has that kind of speed to do the same thing too. So he may produce a little bit more in fantasy than you would expect just given his build and given his sort of lack of draft pedigree. And I mean, you definitely hit that nail on the head with the, the matchup this week on Thursday against the Packers. Even before considering Dalvin Cook's four-touchdown performance from Sunday, uh, the Packers were the number 22 DVOA run defense. So one of the best matchups in the league for fantasy running backs, and I think Hasty should add value. And McKinnon might as well. I'm just, I think I'm more willing to use Hasty at this point, given that McKinnon has, you know, for coming off the injury last season, has been rested a little bit this year and makes me more nervous on a week-to-week basis. There's also an interesting, because we were talking about this Kyle Shanahan type, right, that don't project to be, outside of Jeff Wilson, right, like they don't project mm -hmm. to be the Gus Edwards type of running backs. They're not these short yardage, north-south, ham and eggers, if you will. That's not what Kyle yeah. Shanahan likes, but also it's evidence of why his backfields when everyone is so he is healthy is so difficult at times to project because he does employ a good amount of load management with each of his running backs understanding that they may be more susceptible to um, injuries because of pad level because of size because of you know skill set frankly and that's kind of what's happening here I went back and looked at the 2019 backfield and you had Tevin Coleman Raheem Mostert and Matt Burita as the three main backs Coleman played 14 games Mostert 15 and Burita 12 all of them only touched the ball more than 12 times or managed 12 carries I'm not talking about receiving touches but each one of those running backs touched the ball or carried the ball more than 12 times on three separate occasions. It is astounding to me. And in fact, Tevin Coleman was the only one of these running backs to carry the ball 20 times. That was the max carry amount 
for this, for this only one time. It was week seven against Washington, 20 times. Otherwise, Mostert, the most uh, he carried the ball was 19 times. And ironically, that was against Baltimore. Um, and, and then Matt Burita, 15 was his max. So you're not going to see a plethora of touches the way that you, you know, might see out of, uh, goodness, name any uh, James Conner, right? Like or Derek Henry or James Conner. Like you're not going to see that kind of usage in a Kyle Shanahan backfield. Um, but you can see, I mean, hasty is going to touch the ball. I think it's easy to say, uh, 11 to 14 times. You're going to get 12 touches, certainly on Thursday night. It, you may be foreshadowing what's going to become a frustrating situation later in the season when everybody's back. But, you know, with Mostert still on IR, with uh, Wilson or uh, Wilson is on IR too. Yeah, yeah. right. It's like, and Col- Coleman probably missing this game. There are just not a lot of options this week, which makes Hasty maybe a little bit safer an option than you would normally expect in their backfield. Okay, shifting gears to talk about my first waiver recommendation for week nine. It's Corey Davis, wide receiver for the Titans. Had a really big day with 128 yards and a touchdown on Sunday, but he's actually had 10 targets each of the last two weeks. I've been really encouraged by that. You know, I thought that with A.J. Brown coming back that this really may not be an offense that could support multiple wide receivers in fantasy, but I think that that's just kind of an old way of thinking Ever since Ryan Tannehill has taken over as the starter back in week seven last season, he's thrown for more than 4,400 yards and 39 passing touchdowns in just 17 games. So I think we kind of really really need to reframe how we're thinking about this offense. Yes, Derrick Henry is the star and it's run focused, but it's a very effective passing offense and one that can support two wide receivers in fantasy. And so with A.J. Brown also on the field, Davis has a 34.5% target share the last two weeks. That's top five among all wide receivers. And really, it may only increase with Adam Humphrey suffering a concussion last week to the point where, you know, maybe Davis actually can be a wide receiver two or three for fantasy in the meantime. Liz, do you see that, too, as a potential for Davis? I don't. And I hate no? to disagree mm, with that. No, I don't. And, and here's why I think, you know, you mentioned the point about Tennessee having a low volume passing offense. And I don't actually think that's an old way to think about it. I think that's an appropriate way to think about it. I think the piece of it that I'd want to mention is that Johnny Smith was expected to be that number mm-hmm. two. I think there is enough here True. to support two pass catchers in this offense. And then obviously Derrick Henry is going to get his. I think Johnny Smith coming back from injury is not fully healthy, and that's why we're not seeing him. You can even see on the way the way he's running, he just doesn't look fully back up to speed. And so because there is only so much available, then it, def- the, the, it defers then to Corey Davis. It is also worth mentioning, obviously, that like Ryan Tannehill last year, while Mariota was the starter, was developing a nice rapport, which we have seen with Corey Davis, who is, you know, also working his way back. So I think that there is a rapport there, and I think it's good for the Titans that there is an option behind Jonu Smith. But while Jonu Smith is not healthy, it might be Davis. Also, though, they get the Bears, the Titans do, in Week 9, and that is a really tough matchup. A.J. Brown will always be started because I believe that talent is the ultimate tiebreaker regardless of volume and situation, and A.J. Brown has that talent. We saw that last week, right? I believe he only you know, had four catches and still managed to find the end zone. He's an absolute beast and, and a technician, route runner, and incredible yak ability. But I think that um, Davis might struggle a little bit and certainly will it wouldn't surprise me should i say if he were to fall out of favor if and when johnny smith were to come back like fully come back 
Yeah, that makes sense. And so maybe maybe more of a matchup play in your consideration. Yeah. I'm actually really really curious to hear whether you think your next player is a matchups play or somebody that's an every week starter going forward. So this is uh, we're going to talk about Damian Harris right now. And Damian Harris, I'll admit, sometimes um, we all have take locks at the top of the season. Maybe we fall in love with a player's mm-hmm. rookie tape during the off season. And Damian Harris is admittedly someone I am I have trouble being unbiased about because. I love that he has a multiple skill set. I am frustrated that he is not being utilized or employed in the what I believe to be full extent of his skill set. Of course, I'm talking about his work in the passing game. But in week eight, Damian Harris carried the ball 16 times for 102 yards of the YPC of 6.4. And he did rip off a nice 22-yard long run. He found the end zone for the first time of 2020. It was his second game, however, at 100 yards I, you know, we talked about the 49ers backfield and how that can become crowded and sometimes tough to project. Well, nobody has a bigger reputation for screwing your fantasy team at the running back position <laughs> than the New England Patriots. So but true. with Sony Michelle, you know, not only being hurt, but let's be honest, not terribly effective through his time, if we're talking about on balance with the Patriots. And then um, the other, I, I like Damian Harris because sometimes I look to look at positional groups in a one of these things is not like the other type of way. And there's some redundancy between James White and Rex Burkhead. And to me, Harris, again, admitting he's not being used as a pass catcher, but maybe could be makes this offense less predictable when he is on the field. Um, he's 47% rostered in Yahoo leagues. And like, there's nothing extra about him, right? He's just a very solid, multiple talent, was um, teammates with Josh Jacobs at Alabama. And it's tough right now to – I mean, I, I liked him heading into Week 8 because the Buffalo run defense has not been existent, really, lately. And on balance, the Buffalo defense has not been good. They have not been meeting expectation. But – it's tough right now to project game flow for the Patriots. And while this receiving core is still, I don't I mean, not only banged up, but just like nobody is stepping up. Like, I don't know if we can count on Jacoby Myers to be it. And also why wasn't Jacoby Myers on the field sooner? And maybe it took Nikhil Harry and the first, first round draft pedigree and him not being there for Jacoby Myers to once again, who flashed last year, maybe stand up for this receiving core. But so it's a little bit difficult to want more out of Harris because I don't know if game flow is ever going to, and that seems so crazy to say, um, lean in his favor. But I do think that when we're looking at the running back landscape and the amazing amounts of injuries, and we also think about the fact that Cam is still getting work done on the ground, even if he isn't getting it done through the air, and that could open up some holes for Harris, then I do like him. And I'm going to, depending on matchups, probably put him in that like maybe low end RB2 at the most, probably our RB3 range. Yeah, no, I really like this take for sure. It, to me, it's it's a real trap that you can fall in with Sony Michelle because of the success he had for fantasy specifically the last couple of years, mostly scoring touchdowns as the Patriots got close to the goal line. He really wasn't a very efficient player, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, negative 2.7% and negative 6.4% DVOA the last two seasons. Below zero means below average. And even given the circumstances and the success of the Patriots passing game through much of that stretch, that's just kind of a surprising trend. Now, Michelle has fared better this season with an 18.6% DVOA and 6.7 yards per attempt. 
be that over three games. I think I'm going to side with a bigger sample here and trust Harris with a successful 2.2% DVOA and 5.7 yards per attempt. And just visually, he really looks like a powerful and effective runner. There were a lot of reports in the preseason that he was going to win that job over Michelle then before he suffered his hand injury and ended up on injured reserve for a few weeks. So I think I'm leaning that way too. But I'll point out that Michelle is cleared of the COVID list and is eligible to return from injured reserve as of week nine. So this could get very complicated very quickly. But if you're in maybe a deeper format or maybe a standard instead of a PPR league, you really can't afford to let Harris be on the wire because it's possible that he'll be a running back two or running back three for you like immediately and make it clear that, that he's going to get that job over Harris. Okay, let's shift gears and talk a little bit about some running backs that are, will probably benefit from another absence, Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins for the Ravens for Mark Ingram. So, you know, it was really confusing for me to figure out what was going on with the Ingram situation because he got hurt right leading into the team's week eight bye. Um, but it seems like based on the most up-to-date news that I've seen that Ingram may have suffered more of a high ankle sprain that could leave him out even another week or two, um, which I think it means that even with a difficult matchup against the Colts, you need to roster these two players. Uh, Edwards of the two is less rostered in fantasy formats, uh, but I think he's probably the one that I lean toward starting if I only can choose one. He only played 32% of the offensive snaps versus Dobbins 66% last week. And so that makes it seem like Dobbins is really more the guy. But Dobbins, while being sort of the passing down option for the team, still has a pretty low 8.7% target share. That's just 28th among running backs this season, and he's played every week. So to me, it's, it's really more of an even split overall. And Edwards seems like the leading back of the two. He's actually been very productive in his career. He doesn't have the same draft pedigree as some of the other guys on his team, but uh, 5.2 yards per attempt and a 12.3% rushing DVOA on his career over 334 carries. Maybe Lamar Jackson has a lot to do with that, but I, I just trust Edwards as a talent. And the team has been pretty, I guess, evenly splitting up of the touchdown opportunities near the goal line. So I'm not really seeing an advantage either way there. I just see Edwards as being sort of the lead 1A type of back if he ends up in a two-back split with, with Dobbins. Do you see it the same way, Liz? Um, I think this year I see it. Um, mm -hmm. It's not just about – and I think there is actually a little bit of um, parallel between without Ingram in the picture, the Ravens' backfield to the Buffalo Bills' backfield. It's not just about how many, the quantity of touches these running backs are getting, but the quality of them. And – Gus Edwards is being put on the field as predictable as he may make the offense um, in scoring situations closer to the goal line at the red area of the field. And it's a little bit frustrating because anyone who watched J.K. Dobbins tape knows that he excels in the red area of the field, that he is hard mm -hmm. to take down. And yes, he also happens to be an incredible pass catcher, but and a solid pass protector, especially, especially for a first year professional running back. I also know that the, I've had some interaction with different members, different players for the um, Ravens, and they all love Gus. They call him Gus the bus. So yeah. I think this is also less about, you know, like talent and skill set and more sometimes about energy and age and what this, um, this team, which very much works as a team, right? There's no like real stars outside of maybe Lamar. And we're seeing that in the passing game, right? Like Hollywood Brown finally found the end zone. Mark Andrews has completely underwhelmed from a fantasy perspective. Like, and this is very much a team. And so I think that Gus 
is beloved and we know the team and everybody else knows what he does. And so he's going to continue to have those opportunities, which just yield higher points and more points for fantasy managers. I agree, but I still think you could start either back this week, assuming yes. that Ingram misses time. And that is kind of a, an impressive statement because, I mean, the Colts have the number five DVOA defense against the run. They cut yards per attempt by 20%, touchdowns per attempt by 32% right now. But, hey, the Steelers were the number one DVOA defense against the run uh, entering last week, and they allowed, what, 260-some yards to the Ravens, more to the backs than Lamar, too. So kind of impressive. I mean, they're just a different kind of running team than, than anybody else, and it's very difficult to stop. Okay, Liz, why don't you hit us with your third choice for a waiver ad for week nine? Yeah, well, this one is full on just live in the stream. The tight end mm -hmm. position I mentioned, Mark Andrews, has been underwhelming and frustrating. And most people, unless they drafted Travis Kelsey, are probably struggling with uh, finding a consistent tight end. We talked about Johnny Smith being injured, right? And now George Kittle is injured. The 49ers, as we already discussed, have a short turnaround for week nine on that Thursday night game. But Jordan Reed is available uh, to be activated off of the IR. In fact, after the game on Sunday, Kyle Shanahan mentioned that he was optimistic for Reed to come back. So it feels like that's something that's already brewing in Kyle's brain. He's already on top of it. And if we go back and we know what kind of player Jordan Reed is, right? We know that he's electric. Mm -hmm. We know he's an incredible pass catcher. We also know that he is not the most durable player. Um, but back in week two, he did find the end zone twice. Admittedly, that was at the Jets. Here's another little wrinkle. In that game, Jimmy Garoppolo was injured and Nick Mullins came in. Jimmy Garoppolo is injured again. Talk about, my gosh, these 49ers are getting bitten by the injury bug left and right. They seem kind of cursed, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's, it is ridiculous. My goodness. But now in week, so in week three, back in week three, uh, Nick Mullins was the starter instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, who was sidelined. And before Jordan Reed left that contest with an injury, he managed six targets. And he left pretty early in the in the matchup. So we know that he saw six targets. We know that Debo Samuel is out, was out then and is out again. We know that George Kittle was out then and is out again. We know that Jimmy Garoppolo was out then and is out again. So that means that Jordan Reed and Nick Mullins can pick up where they left off, hopefully, as long as no one gets hurt, knock on some wood, in week yeah. three. And we know that obviously the tight end position is essential to Kyle Shanahan's offense. And he has done an incredible job throughout his career of elevating the position. And Jordan Reed is in a position. There's some connective tissue because of Washington, obviously, as well as time in Washington. Um, there is some, uh, there's an opportunity for Reed to be streamed. And he is available in over 90% of Yahoo leagues right now. Yeah. And I, I initially thought of this as sort of a short-term streaming option, uh, but we're recording this kind of mid-afternoon on Monday, East Coast time at least. And the latest news that I'm seeing is that Kittle looks like he broke his foot. He could miss like six weeks or more, unfortunately. Um, people listening to this on Tuesday may have a better sense of where that exactly stands. But, you know, Reed may actually end up having more value than just as a short-term streaming option. So... Uh, I would say don't be afraid to bid a little bit more for him in your fantasy leagues, unfortunately, for the 49ers and for Kittle. Um, and then I have one more player to go through as a waiver ad for Week 9, Liz, and that's Nicole Hardman, wide receiver for the Chiefs. I've been really encouraged. Like, obviously, this was his, his best fantasy line of the year, seven catches for 96 yards and a touchdown on nine targets. But I've been really encouraged at the trending of his offensive snap share over the last few weeks relative to Demarcus Robinson. He played 40%. Two weeks ago now, 43% a week ago, and then 68% on Sunday. 
did Hardman, whereas Robinson went from 95% to 67% to just 55% this week. So it seems like Hardman is finally passed Robinson by on the depth chart. And I know I've said that before, so maybe it's not definitively true. Um, that may not be in time for his you know, short-term fantasy value. Sammy Watkins is probably already overdue to return from his injury. And with the Chiefs having their bye in week 10, um, he'll definitely be back by week 11 at the latest. So you're talking about one more game. But Hardman has just been such an incredible fantasy player on a per-touch basis. He actually has 2.77 PPR points per target since 2019. That's the most of 104 wide receivers with 50 or more targets. No one's really that close. A.J. Brown's in second place with 2.52. So I think just the the incredible ceiling makes it such that if you can afford to have Hardman on your benches during the bye weeks, then he really belongs there rather than on the wire. You're just one injury away, maybe one Watkins set back away, or maybe just the Chiefs deciding that that Hardman is a player that justifies being the number two receiver on the team. He has more than a 40% receiving DVOA so far in his career. I mean, he's just a standout player and a really nice skills fit for Mahomes with a deep passing game. So I think that he definitely deserves to be rostered in the short term, even if when Watkins is back, you can't really start him immediately, just kind of hoping for the best there. What are your thoughts, Liz? I love the call. I think the tricky thing about Kansas City is that any of these players can go off at any time, right? It was Patrick Mahomes this week after really leaning on the run and not having to do much. Like, he can completely eviscerate a team. And I have to admit, when I looked at the matchup against the Jets, I was like, oh, well, not, you know, the the Le'Veon Bell revenge mm-hmm. game notwithstanding, this is going to be a run-focused game because what Patrick Mahomes doesn't have to do a whole bunch here. They can just <laughs> that lean on sense. this. Right, you know, but no, in fact, he was like, uh, you know what, I, I, I've, I've been doing a little too much rushing, so I'm just going to sling the ball around and get these receivers, and they, they can do whatever they want. So you know that some of the pieces, maybe all, but some of the pieces of this offense are going to go off, and Hardman in particular is a constant ceiling play. So strategically speaking, now that we are looking at the back half of the season, you want to roster him because if you are in a place when um, you need to be chasing points, you need to hit that ceiling. You don't want your, you, first of all, you don't want the rest of your league to have um, a lotto ticket like Hardman on their benches and rosters. So you might as well have him even if you don't use him. And then if you get into those must-win situations, he is a player that you boo- you hope he booms and doesn't bust with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. Well, that's going to do it for this Tuesday episode of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Liz, thanks so much for joining. Tell everyone where they can find all of your work. Absolutely. Well, you can follow me on social media. Twitter and Instagram both have the same handle. It's at Liz Loza underscore FF. And you can check me out every Sunday, 90 minutes before kickoff for Fantasy Football Live. We also do the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast podcast. I do that twice a week, once with Andy Barron's, once with Matt Harmon. And then we have a, have a sleepers article that I publish on Yahoo Sports and Yahoo Fantasy every Thursday. So Check all that out. Basically, follow Yahoo Fantasy, Yahoo Sports, and um, follow me on Twitter. And thank you, guys. Thank you, Scott, so much for having me on. I use your tool all the time in my work, and I really appreciate getting a chance to chat with you. Absolutely. It was great. And everybody, be sure to follow Liz, and be sure to come back on Friday for the next episode where we'll cover all of the Week 9 DFS plays for the week. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.